0: I would sit in the room with him most days, sitting on the Swiss ball, rocking him to sleep. I'd finally get him down after an hour and then five minutes I'd quickly go and try and get some water or lunch and he'd be screaming again. And I'd just be like, Far out, I've been rocking you for an hour. I got into that vicious cycle. One day, it got to like six hours and Lockie came home at like four or five o'clock and he's like, have you even showered? Have you left the room? And I hadn't eaten and I just like, just obviously just cried because I would just said, I don't know what to do to get this baby to sleep.
1: Hello and welcome to Mum Life, a podcast for ambitious mums navigating the sweet and messy journey of motherhood. I'm Leonie Akidenor. And each week, I will bring you conversations with mums and parenting experts about the highs and lows of motherhood and tips to make our lives that little bit easier. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Tonya Tangus, a friend of mine from Mothers Group. We're talking about our experiences at sleep school. This conversation portrays a relatively positive recollection of our experiences, but what you don't hear is what happened after this conversation was recorded. So after this chat, I went to sleep school with my second child, Charlie, I'd had such a positive experience the first time around with Noah. He, after 48 hours of being at sleep school, was sleeping through the night. And I thought that literally it was an absolute miracle. And um, I was so excited to take Charlie, who was having some sleeping challenges prior. But with Charlie, after five nights at sleep school, he still wasn't sleeping through the night. He was still having catnaps, so sleeping only one sleep cycle of a maximum of 45 minutes. And I was as anxious as hell. The lesson here, folks, every child is so different. This is one of the hardest things I find about being a parent. The lack of consistency it brings. What I will say is that after weeks and weeks of persistence and sticking to the sleep school routine, Charlie finally started sleeping through the night. But it was a challenge and so much more challenging than the first time around. And since sleep school, both Tonny's and I have still experienced our fair share of sleep challenges with our boys. Noah still goes through stages of not sleeping well, but I guess now given sleep school, I have the tools to navigate this in a calmer, more confident way. In this conversation, Tonny's talks about her incredible challenges on the sleep front, which was caused predominantly by her little one having colic. We talk about how being at sleep school shifted everything for us and how the lessons we learned really changed the way we parent today. Enjoy. Tonys, welcome. It's great to have you on the Mum Life Podcast.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's really exciting.
1: Yeah. So obviously we met through mother's group and uh, have been a big part of each other's, you know, journeys as first time mums. Um, we've certainly been through the ups and downs together. So it was, it's just great to have yourself on. I mean, you're one of the reasons why we ended up going to sleep school because sleep was obviously a big challenge for us. And, um, I thought, you know what? It's such an unspoken thing, isn't it? Like sleep school and a bit of a stigma sometimes around. Eaten. it's
0: a bit of a dirty secret.
1: yeah, totally. right. <laughs> so I thought, you know, let's talk about it. Let's let the people know what it's all about based on our experiences. Love so, it. um, yeah, so I guess first and foremost, like our little ones now are almost two years old. So talk to me about if you look back on that first year, let's say, of the of Sam, your son's life, um and you know, first year of motherhood, what what do you think when you reflect back on it? Like, talk to me about some of the things that were just amazing that you never expected. And also some of the challenging times too.
0: God, it definitely feels like a blur. It's like, it's like childbirth, you know, when you go through it, you just like, and it's finished. It's like, I can't believe that that's just happened. And yeah. then you just forget about <laughs> everything that's happened. But yeah, the first year, holy crap. Like it was just, I just did not expect it. And that basically sums it up for me. I wasn't, I'm usually one of those people. I'm very organized. I know exactly what's going on. I plan everything by, you know, the inch, but this was something that I couldn't control. And that was really hard for me because I am a control freak. So it was hard that I couldn't control this perfect year for myself and my child. So That was definitely the hardest thing was like I had to actually just go with the flow and relax and just kind of get smacked in the face with how it actually was. And, you know, everyone will say the same thing. It's just like the sleep and just not being, no day was predictable. I could never tell you. If someone wanted to catch up and be like, all right, do you want to catch up for a coffee at one? I could I was just be like. I actually don't know because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to sleep. I don't know what's going to happen, and yeah. I couldn't plan anything, and that just really screwed with me. So, mm,
1: particularly was, when you're used to being a planner, you know,
0: hundred oh, percent, mm. yeah, mm. definitely. But it was oh, it was an amazing year. Like I look at photos all the time of his first year, and you know, we went on three overseas trips, and we did so much, and there was a lot of adventure, but there was actually so many tears and my husband would be the same. He's quite, he's also quite emotional. So he, I'd never seen him cry so much that first year. And that was really hard for me to see that we'd, we'd been together 10 years and I'd never seen him struggle so much than he did in that first year. And it affected him as much as it affected me. And yeah, that was probably really hard to see, but just coming out of it now you know as we said our boys are almost two I look at him now and he's just like this is the best thing in the world like he loves it just the way they play and just the fun that they bring to your life and the joy and it's just life was so easy without kids but it just oh, brings that amazing challenge
1: absolutely it's yeah. kind of just like this cocktail of emotions I tend to say like just the good oh. the bad of the ugly life <laughs>
0: I know, especially we, we laugh when we see people that don't have kids. We're just like, you've got no idea how easy it is, how easy your life is. And just if I or if I hear someone complain that doesn't have kids, I'm just like, oh, just. Come in our shoes for a day, you'll just yeah, see.
1: It. It's, <laughs> it's, it's certainly so like a new perspective on life. Um talk to me about those sort of, I guess the challenging times. You said um, you know, there were some really emotional times and I can totally relate as well. Mm. Um what sort of themes were they around and and why do you think that was so difficult?
0: I think from the get-go for us, um, as we said, our a few of our friends had already had kids and I'd heard nothing but positive things like a few of my friends had such beautiful births that come out that have these beautiful sleeping babies all wrapped up in the cocoon and you'd go and visit we could still have wine and that you wouldn't even know that the baby was there so mm. in my mind I had this idea of like this baby's just going to slot into our life we're still going to be able to have wines at night and enjoy it but for us it was it was not that at all it was It was turmoil from birth and I think for me I had a really traumatic birth and that really set up my first year because I actually didn't get to see Sampha for the first eight hours of his birth. So I didn't have that connection. I didn't have that skin on skin. It was like I had this traumatic birth and I came out of it and I feel really sad sometimes because I look at the photos and I just didn't look connected. I looked like I was in another world and I just had this baby sitting on me. And it breaks my heart because there was no, like, beautiful love and I didn't see all that beautiful connection. It was just like, holy shit, what was the last 48 hours? What just happened? Now I have this screaming baby. I just, I couldn't really catch up with how I was feeling. It was just like, go, go, go. Um, so from... The hospital, it was just it was go, and he, as I said, we didn't have eight hours together, so we didn't form that bond. He didn't latch breastfeeding, um, and he was in a humidity crib for the first day, so we couldn't actually take him out of the NICU to hold him or anything. So, so
1: was he premie
0: or what? no? He wasn't Premier. He he was forty two weeks by the time I gave oh, birth, yeah. but um, okay. yeah. he. Because he, there were meconium in my waters, he actually had quite a bit of fluid in his lungs. So he had some trouble breathing when he came out. So they just, yeah, they wanted to keep him in there for monitoring, which was completely fine. But yeah, it was hard because I was trying to like, I had, you know, two midwives on either side of my boob trying to hand express colostrum. And I'm sitting there going, I've never been this exposed in my life. I just wasn't expecting that that's how it would be. And we were kind of syringe feeding him for a while. And I left the hospital, not establishing that breastfeeding journey. So I got home and my milk had just come in. It was like day four. And I just, you know, cried and cried and cried. Cause I was like, holy crap, this is really hard. I didn't even know how to breastfeed, I had a new baby. Um, and you know, finally he did latch, but it wasn't I didn't relax when I breastfed and I, my arms were constantly tense and I, you know, had cracked nipples and it was really hard. So that really set it up for us and unfortunately, Samper also had colic and reflux. Um, so when they do go through that birth canal um, through the vagina, they get all those beautiful juices from the mother and unfortunately I had an emergency cesarean so it was kind of cut straight out and he was straight into uh, into the NICU so I don't know I don't think that was fully connected but I think we he had a lot of respiratory issues because of that um so he was just sadly crying for the first you know yeah
1: and there's nothing worse than that like constant noise like
0: it was just and he was in pain like you could see it like his tummy was upset like we'd just have him on the bed trying to do all these little stretches and we tried propping his cot up his bassinet up and just helping him but he just was never comfortable so unfortunately he was crying most of the time which was really hard for my husband and myself because we were just We'd both be sitting in the room crying and he was crying and we'd just yeah. say, like, we don't know what to do. He, he's got a clean nappy. He's fully fed. He's, you know, what, what are we supposed to do? And that was really hard because I didn't know, I really didn't know how to get him to sleep or how to settle him um so what did
1: work in the end so oh god i'm just thinking all of this crying was there things i know you always used to hold him and have him in the carrier on you was that kind of the solution
0: i think because because of the reflux it's quite um it's quite hard on them to be lying down which is why the pediatrician suggested propping up his bassinet um so most of his day sleeps were in the carrier because he'd be upright so he wouldn't be in a lot of pain which I felt helpful, but, you know, you saw me at mother's group, I'd be bouncing around having him in the carry and he'd be screaming and I just saw like, oh, I just couldn't get him to sleep. But um, we also tried quite a few different colic and reflux medications and that was hard because we'd have a day of relief, he'd sleep and we'd just, you and I would both be like, holy shit, like he's fixed. Not fixed, but, mm, yeah. you know, he's okay. It's working, yeah. And you know, then at night it would just be like really hard. So it, we didn't really get that relief for until we went to sleep school basically. Mm.
1: Yeah. So where is your head at during that time? I mean, I know that I saw a lot of you obviously, particularly (laughs) from the start and you just looked flat out exhausted and just over it as you would. Where is your head at and how do you you know, build that resilience to keep going, keep going. I mean, I guess you kind of have to because the baby's relying on you. but talk to, talk to me about sort of your own mental journey through that.
0: I think I felt because I'm not a um I'm not a resentful person and I'm quite confident and independent in myself, but I found it really challenging. Sometimes going to mother's group or meeting up with friends with babies because I would see their baby sleeping and their babies calm. And I was just like, I actually fell out with one of my close friends, and her son was only four months apart from mine. And I I actually got to the point where I couldn't see her because I was so upset. And I just mentally couldn't cope seeing her baby sleeping. Like I couldn't cope with it. We'd go out for a coffee and he'd be beautifully sleeping Um, and it had nothing to do with her she was such a great friend but I was so resentful at the fact that I had this screaming baby and you know he he was sleeping and my baby wasn't and I actually didn't talk to her for like six months because I mentally couldn't cope with her I had to unfollow her on social media for my own mental health and I like I look at it now and I'm just like wow that's awful but for my own sanity I had to kind of do what I could do to cope and not focus on what other people were doing. Um, But, you know, I found it really helpful sometimes going to mother's group and talking to everyone because people were going through certain things and I wasn't alone, but I did feel alone in the fact that I had never seen, you know, a baby so upset and it, it was really hard because I don't feel like, like my husband's quite chilled and I can be quite, you know, chilled at times. So I just thought, is this a reflection of me as a person? And, uh, you know, you start to beat yourself up a little bit because I was like, did I create this situation? And it was heartbreaking to think that maybe he was sensing some of my anxiety and my, you know, stress around the whole thing. And when I look back now, a hundred percent, you know, and would I have done things differently? I would have, I would have done things differently. Um,
1: what would it, would you, What would you have changed? Do you think? In that? Just,
0: I think because I'm such a routine person, I and this is how I, I really got into this bad cycle. Like Lockie would leave for work, um, you know, eight nine o'clock, and I would feel so resentful him going to work because I just see him, no baby, no nothing in his hand. He'd get to go to work, and he was just no responsibility there. Um, he had that freedom and I felt like I was chained in this dark room by myself all day and I felt angry at him for that. But I was the one that wanted the child. I wanted this and when I got it I was just like, take me back to my old life. I I didn't want it anymore. Like I would call my mum some days and just say, I don't want this life anymore. Like I would be so upset but I would just say, I want to be like, not single again, but I want to just have no responsibility And she kept saying, it'll get easier. And I just thought like, I was sick of people telling me that, but it, look, it did get easier. It did. But um, as I was saying, I would sit in the room with him most days, sitting on the Swiss ball, rocking him to sleep. I'd finally get him down after an hour. And then, you know, five minutes, I'd quickly go and try and get some water or lunch. And he'd be screaming again. And I'd just be like, far (laughs) out. I've been rocking you for an hour. Um, and I got into that vicious cycle because then I would pick him up out of the bassinet, I'd sit on the ball again and I'd keep rocking him for another hour, put him back down, he'd scream. So, you know, it got to one day, got to like six hours, and Lockie came home at like four or five o'clock and he's like, Have you even showered? Have you left the room? And I hadn't eaten, I hadn't had any water. And I just like, just obviously just cried. Cause I would just said, I don't know what to do to get this baby to sleep. And I think my breaking point and how I got to where to the point where I was like, I actually need some help. I um took Sam for around the block for a walk. And I remember I was that tired and delirious that I started talking to myself and I started like having a conversation with myself and a lady walked by and she said, sorry, what did you say? And I said, I didn't say anything. She said, oh, you just asked me a question. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm not even conscious what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I was just in this other world. And I just thought, wow, like I'm that delirious that I'm not too sure even what I'm doing. I need to do something about it.
1: And so how did you know? So sleep school was the, was the go-to, was it at that point?
0: The first point of call, I think I wrote something on Facebook. I wrote a bit of a, not Facebook, Instagram. I wrote on, I did a post and had a little bit of a cry for help. And I just said like, can someone recommend me something? Because I hadn't heard of sleep school at this point. So I was thinking, could someone recommend me a program or someone to come to my house? And a girl, sent me this lady's details and she came over for half the day It kind of sat with us and put Sanford sleep and did a few things and I wasn't 100% because she couldn't get him to sleep either. I couldn't get him to sleep. She tried a different swaddle, you know, and I had um, communication with her back and forth for that week and she's like, how's it going? And I said, uh, you know, like the same old, like he he isn't sleeping and she suggested a few different things and I just thought there's got to be something else because this, I've had a sleep consultant come to the house, I've spoken to people on the phone, I've spoken to the maternal health nurse and that was when I actually had an appointment with our maternal health nurse and she, she was the one that suggested the sleep school. She said, I can write you a recommendation, um, a letter she goes it's a five-day program in um St Kilda East and I said I said (laughs) it's worth the dry and she um she said do you have private health I said I actually don't and she said it's going to be out of pocket five thousand dollars and at that point I would have paid twenty thousand dollars for the state we were in so I filled out the papers and we kind of got in straight away and it was a hard time because my husband's a wedding videographer and we had planned a trip to Palm Springs that same week and I was ready to get on the plane take the baby and I just Mm -hmm. thought I actually can't go like how am I gonna go overseas be on a plane for 24 hours with a crying baby I said it's just not gonna be enjoyable like I'm probably gonna end up regretting that I went so Lucky just said no you stay here go to sleep school with him and I'll go on the trip so it worked out perfectly. He went to America and I went
1: to sleep school. So then was, what did you expect sleep school would be like? I mean, obviously you're like, it was the last resort, <laughs> but you know, what did you think? I mean, obviously, I mean, we went to, we, you sort of read the information booklets, yeah. but did you have a lot of hope before going?
0: Do you know what? Because I hadn't actually met anyone that went. So I didn't, Mm. I didn't have anyone tell me a good experience or a bad experience. So I really went in there blindfolded. And as I said, I was that desperate to try anything that I was so hopeful that, you know what, I'm paying all this money. These people are professionals. Like I trust them. Like, you know, and I actually went on, I think when you get there, there's a corridor and it has all the success rates and she was saying we've got a 99.5% success rate. And I was like, okay, well, this has got to work. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually, I wasn't nervous. I was just, I was desperate. I was really desperate and I was ready. So for me going there, I felt like, okay, this feels like a holiday. Like I need, I need some sleep. So, and I knew when I got there, they said to me that they would, do the first night so I could get some sleep and when they said that to me I almost cried because I hadn't had that like I'd been up he was waking every 20 minutes during the night so I hadn't had a full hour sleep in you know four months so
1: so Sam for four months when you went yeah I think he was about
0: yeah three and a half four months he was one of the youngest um but Uh, I would have gone earlier if I could have, but I don't think you could have then.
1: Yeah, yeah. I also think that around the, it was right. Yeah, they do say, because I met a few mums who were at the sleep school and were there for the second time because Mm. they'd gone quite early, like two to three months. And um, then the four month, sleep regression hit and then they had to retrain their children so I think around the four we went at five months is probably a good time Um, for context for everyone so we went to Masada Sleep School and that's um, through the Masada private hospital. Um, and it's like an early parenting center inpatient program. So, um, you know, five days stay in the hospital, you kind of have your own room and then your child has this small little room sort of across the hall. Um, and yeah, you can either be funded by private health or you pay outright as, as you were saying, Tony. So, um, The setup essentially is that you have a group session sort of throughout that week and then you also have a routine based on the age of the child um, and that you follow throughout those five days as well. There's also a partner information session just to kind of get your partner up to speed with the key things um, that are involved in the in the routine and um also they sort of basically over that five-day period the first i think it's the first night or two they give the mum if if you want sleeping pills um and you go to sleep they settle your child throughout the night they only call you and wake you up if your child needs to feed and then after the sort of the second night um th- um night three four and five they get you up every time that your child is unsettled throughout the night and they sh- they teach you how to essentially settle your child i don't know tony's i thought five days in my head you know when i thought about it initially i was like oh yeah that's you know it sounds pretty long but when i was there i was kind of like you do need those five days Mm -hmm. like it it like and i couldn't believe going in noah was a completely different child um than when he left just in five days like did you so talk me through that experience for you
0: Oh, I, I couldn't agree more and that was probably the best thing for us. It was just like even after that first night, like I had a good night's sleep and by the sounds of it, because you can also, you can go in, they've got a book out the front of their room and you can see when they've woken up or when they needed a feed or they, they jot everything down so it's very transparent. They tell you how long it took to get back to sleep and when they went in there. And I loved that because it was very reassuring for me to know when he was waking up and what he needed so the first night he had a pretty good sleep and I had a pretty good sleep and I think just him having that maybe that separation from me as well having someone else there going hey this is what we need to do to get you you know sleeping and happy because I think for us as I said most of the reason why he was so upset for those first four months he was so overtired and because as a first mum, and I think this is what I will do differently when I have another child, but as a first mum, you're so, you know, the baby, they want to be with you. They want to be on your chest. They want to sleep on you all day. And I, I did love that. I really did. But I thought I was so um, consumed in this idea of, oh my God, if he sleeps on my chest, then he's not going to sleep in his cot and he's going to be attached to me. And I was just like making all this stuff up in my mind. So I was obsessed with him sleeping in his bassinet and he never wanted to sleep in there. He wanted to sleep on me. And I just, I just wish second time around that I just relax, let him sleep there because kids are adaptable and they do, they, they will. And like what happened at Masada, he went from sleeping in my bed essentially to being three and a half, four months to sleeping in a cot. And I loved that because it was kind of cold Turkey really transitioned straight in there. And it was just, it was, it was heaven. Like it was absolutely heaven because those two, three days, I could just see him smiling. He was happy. Like he'd have his two hour nap during the day and he'd wake up and he'd be, I'd give him a feed. We'd go to the park. And I was just like, I was like, this is what for me, I was like, this is what a baby should be like. Like they shouldn't be crying all the time. And Yeah. Like I I was happy. So he could feel that I was happy. He was happy. And it was just like, I finally felt like I had that relief.
1: So talk to me about that transition, because you said, you know, prior to going to sleep school, every 20 minutes you're up with him and you're holding him and he can barely sleep, you know, lay down flat. Night one, how did he go from that prior to kind of sleeping and you actually having a break too? What was the feedback from the nurses on night one?
0: oh god I just the fact that he I think it was for him they they were saying he was quite cheeky though he'd go in there and he would laugh and they said like yeah like that he responded really well because that pat the whole padding technique was quite brilliant I hadn't really seen it before they kind of propped them up on their side a little bit and they they pat for a little while and they go out and I did really like that because it worked for him because of the reflux I'd pop him up on his side and I'd only have to go in there once or twice to settle in, but he really, he responded really well to that. It was, he was tucked in with a sheet. He felt secure. I went in there, he knew I was there. And it was that padding along with the white noise and the dark room. And it was that whole combination. That's what helped him get to sleep. And I think prior to Masada, I didn't really know much about white noise. I didn't know about the dark room. I didn't have all that information. So they set you up with all these things that are gonna put you on this succession plan. And it worked. So by day three, he was sleeping through the night there. And I would just, I just couldn't believe it. I had this child that I thought he hated sleep. I thought I said, This child hates sleep. He's never gonna sleep till he's eighteen. <laughs> and he he was up every 20 minutes. I'd feed him to sleep. And we just got into this vicious cycle of Um, and I even tried co-sleeping for a bit and it really wasn't for me, but I just thought, is that what he wants? Does he want to be close to me? And I remember just like a lot of the time I would be lying on the bed, you know, boob out, breastfeeding him, and I'd fall asleep and I just thought, Far out, this is not safe. Like a lot of the time I didn't even remember some of the time if I'd fed him or not during the night. Um, because I was that tired, I I, I couldn't even remember if I fed him. It, It got so bad to that point.
1: Oh, I hear you. Like the word delirious comes to mind. So, I mean, similarly for us, so obviously I saw that you'd gone to sleep school and you, you know, were a raving fan. And for, for me, I um Noah had been a reasonably okay sleeper, but then the four-month regression killed me. Like it just yeah. I got to a point where similarly I was like up every 10 minutes and then we put him in bed with us and I didn't feel like it was safe either. So I couldn't really sleep properly and it was just a nightmare. Right. So that's when I said, you know what, there's got to be a better way. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why he's crying. I don't know why he's not sleeping. This is just a mess. So we went to this, um, you know, and based on your recommendation, went to sleep school. I remember day one. So this is like I hadn't slept for a while, nowhere near sort of to the extreme of yourself, but I I do mention this because sometimes people think that you need to be, you know, almost, you know, to the extreme that you had where you're, you know, sleepless nights for three months and all of these things in order to be able to go to a sleep school. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. In fact, given all the knowledge that they give you, you know, I would go even if my kid was like basically, you know, like they obviously have to have some sleeping challenges. However, it doesn't have to be extreme. So um, we went day one and after hearing your feedback, I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. Like similarly, I was like, oh, it's going to be like a retreat. Like they're going to take my kid. I'm going to have my sleeping pills. Happy days. Like they're going to just teach him to sleep. Amazing. I don't think I've really thought about what techniques they use and also how I would feel emotionally about about that so I remember for me day one you know they said this is your suite so you know the hospital room so I'm like okay put my stuff down and they were like so when has when was the last time Noah napped and I was like napped I'm like he doesn't he doesn't really like nap during the day like I'm like he just seems to be up all the time because I didn't know what I was doing so I followed the nurse down the corridor to this tiny little room and I remember I was what I was with Jules at the time we're walking down the corridor and I'm just thinking my heart starts pounding because I'm like oh my god the fact that my child is now going to be not with me I'm I'm already feeling nervous they open a room and the room literally looks is like the size of a closet and it's very small it has like the cot and a chair and that's it right so they open the room nothing in it and it's just this little kind of cot and they're like cool so I pop him in the bed and I was like Ugh. so I put him in and little Noah like rolls over on it onto his belly and looks up at us like with his like puppy dog eyes and they're like cool now shut the door and I was like wait what they're like shut the door so I shut the door and then wait a second and then it's like wow wha- and I remember she was just like okay walk away and I was like wait what and I was like what I didn't know that this is what happened you know <laughs> I, was like, I was like is this safe like uh, you know and i was just a million things are going through my head and she's like just walk away it's fine we're gonna let himself settle a little bit and then I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna do some settling and I was like what is settling what are you talking about I don't even know what that means like and then I was just like like I have to walk away because if I don't, I don't think I, I literally, we would have just, I would have grabbed him and like left the hospital. Like I was like, I need to walk away. Cause I know that I'm here for a reason. I know there's science behind it. And so I know there's been fantastic results. So I'm just going to trust. And, um, we walk away, I'm walking down the hall, get into the, into our hospital room. And I was just like, burst into tears. And I'm just like feeling the biggest amount of mum guilt that I've ever felt. Thankfully, Jules was actually there. So it's like hugging me and I'm like completely beside myself. I'm like, maybe we shouldn't be here. Maybe this was the wrong decision. I don't understand how this can work. They just took Noah and they put him in a dark room. Like, I'm so confused. And, you know, and so he's just like, I'm like hyperventilating. He's like, it's so Leonie, it's okay. Like, you know, it will be fine. And that was for his day nap. So, um, I was just kind of, we just kept ourselves busy. And then I, went back to the room two hours later and they're like uh, uh, walked to sort of the front of his room and the nurses are standing there and I'm like is he awake is he asleep they're like oh no he's asleep but you can go in and wake him up now and I'm like he's asleep like how did you get him to sleep like this in the middle of the day like what and I I walk in and he just like semi you know opens his eyes and he's all smiley and I'm like wait is this like my kid, <laughs> you know, you're like, what did you do? Like, did you give him like happy gas or something? Like, this is amazing. And similarly, like he went from being really irritable and, you know, just agitated during the day as he always was to, you know, being so much calmer. And um, and you're right, it's this whole thing of it's the combination of this really dark room. We didn't use the noise, but it was just the fact that they had the sheet that they tucked them right in so they feel very secure up, up against the mattress and um he had a little comforter which he'd never had before but obviously that would and they make you sort of put it down your top or whatever just to smell like yourself and so obviously you know he's holding on to that and it smells like me um and then the next nap he had, similarly, I put him in the room, mum, girls, oh my gosh, I don't even know about this. I walk away, I'm crying. And then, you know, come back two hours later and they're like, cool, yeah, no, he's, he, he had a great sleep and he's all smiley and happy. And it's just amazing that I think similarly by like day two or three, sleeping through the night, sleeping at his naps. Every time I'd walk up to that room, my heart would be beating a thousand miles an hour. And he was actually by like the third nap, he was like, oh yeah, this is like my bedroom. Like he just wasn't even fast popped him in bed. I didn't hear a cry, close the door didn't hear a word walked away and I'm like Jesus what like the, I don't exactly. understand this but somehow this is working <laughs> so did you experience a similar thing like when you first like went into that room were you just like what is this and ha- why am I here <laughs> that
0: exactly you just nailed it that that was the whole thing of like walking into the room putting him down in a cot then them telling me to leave I was just like I had no idea because I was like, I said, I've been sitting on a ball for four months bouncing (laughs) him with a boob in his mouth trying to (laughs) sing and get him to sleep. I said, I said, I I said, Lockie and myself would spend hours at night just sitting and bouncing, rocking, like we would dance, we would do everything. And she said, no, 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 we're going to, you know, they're going to learn how to self-settle. And I said, what's self-settling? She goes, you know, he's, he knows when he's ready to go to sleep, you're going to go in, put him down, tuck him in, say time for sleep. And you're going to walk out. And I was said like, how's he going to fall asleep? Like, how's he going to fall asleep by himself? And she goes, this is the skill that they're going to learn. And for me, that was just the biggest game changer was this whole self-settling thing. Because, you know, I had told a few friends I was there and they were like, oh, they're just going to let him scream for hours. And I just said, like, I said, have you been before? They said, no, that's what we've heard. I said, I said honestly, I said, I, I can't make any judgment because I haven't been before. But now when I tell people, I said, that's all they're learning is just to self-settle. It's a skill for them. It's a skill for us. And it's it's a gentle one because no, never did I hear a baby screaming for 20 minutes. And it was just like if they were screaming, they said to me, it's three minutes. And if they're just babbling, she said, it's ten minutes during the day and twenty minutes during the night. And never, ever did it get to that point where he'd be unsettled for that amount of time because he got to the point where he was ready for sleep. But we you follow that awake time, and I think by that point he was only, you know, three and a half, four months. His awake time was maybe an hour and a half, I think. So that hour and a half you know, as soon as he wake up, we'd feed, he'd have a play, and then he was ready for bed again. So he he started to work out, okay, this is our routine and I started to work it out as well. So I felt started to feel really confident. And as I said, by day three, you know, I'd pop him in the cot, I'd walk away, I'd go in my room, do a bit of work, go for a walk, and I'd come back and she'd be like, Oh, he's still asleep and I said, Oh my God, it's been two hours. I said, This is unheard of and it was just like getting that starting for me, it was just getting that confidence back. And the fact that I was glad that he, you know, he woke up a few times and I was glad that I could go in there with them. She'd show me how to do the padding. And I started to build that confidence. Um, And that's what I loved about the women there is, and there were some men there as well, is they were really supportive. You could ask them a hundred questions and they would come in with you and, you know, it's one at one time, I think I was in there too long. She's like, oh, you can come out now. And I said, oh, <laughs> I said, he's a little bit upset. And she goes, no, no, he's, he'll be okay. And you know, he was okay. Like I just needed to trust them that he was in really good hands. He was in really good care. And it was, it was brilliant. Like it was really brilliant. And also what I loved was they, you sit down with an expert and they talk to you about, okay, so he's this old, he probably requires this many feeds and also I was able to cut out a few feeds a night because I was feeding him, you know, 50 times during the night. And she said, she goes, he keeps waking up because he keeps thinking he's going to have a drink. And he said, she goes, nutritionally, he doesn't need it. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. So I only ended up feeding him once or twice during the night. And by the end of it, he only woke up that one time for a feed and that was it. And that was all he needed. I needed that expert advice to work out what does my child actually need because a lot of the time I wasn't even using I'm quite an intuitive person but I wasn't even using my intuition I was just like working on that fight or flight mode and I was just like he'd cry I'd put a boob in his mouth he'd cry I'd give him a bottle or put a dummy in I just I was just desperate and I was just kind of working out maybe what he needed But she said a lot of the time he's probably crying because he's had too much milk. And I just, I didn't even think of that at that point. So I also just really loved being able to talk to professionals for that five days as well and having that additional support. Like you get to speak to a psychiatrist as well. And, you know, they can talk to you about medication or whatever you might need. And I I really loved that because I'd never had that support before. Um, Because I'd been to the maternal health nurse and, I had spoken to her about it, but, she, you know, she couldn't give me too much information or advice, but this was really good because I could speak to professionals.
1: It was really it's so right. And actually staying there and not just going each day and coming home, you know, and staying there for five days, they basically just fine-tuned everything for me. So as you said, from the routine okay what does your child actually need how many feeds how many naps etc down to the you know type of cries so you know you'd stand outside the door Noah would be crying they're like okay this is a bullshit cry we you know like this is he's just his. it's like that high-pitched one where he's just about to drop off to sleep meanwhile I'm like they all sound the same to me but the fact that you're with them they're like all right we'll give it you know two minutes and then we're gonna you know and then all of a sudden he would have that his little cry and he would just it would just be quiet. And it's and they're like, you need to allow them that time to self-settle. Like, this is all stuff I didn't know. Other times they were like, okay, this is more of an aggressive cry. Go in now, let's, you know, let's settle together. You know, they show you how to do it, they're in the dark room with you, they're giving you advice. You then walk out, you wait outside the door, the clock starts. It's all very timed and very calculated and because there's science behind it as you said no one's leaving their child to cry you know willy-nilly and like oh you know cry it out it's not like that It, it is so um scientifically proven i guess this particular technique um so I loved that. So, you know, I learned the cries, I learned the routine, I learned, you know, things about myself and how I could better manage my own mental health by speaking to that psychologist as well. Like, um, you know, I, I just, I felt like it was a one-stop shop for like how to look after my child because no one tells you this stuff and then that you leave the hospital with your baby and you're like, cool, now what? Like, you know? so, um, yeah, I Absolutely. think, yeah. I, how did you go then with, you know, obviously they do prepare you with a great exit plan too and they say, you know, going home, these are the things you should be mindful of. Um, I know, for example, we put aluminium foil on the windows just to transition him also into a dark room when he was sleeping at home um, and, but then eventually you, you take the aluminium foil off after a number of days. So it's a very kind of finite plan. How did you go with the transition of then leaving sleep school and having him back home?
0: I think day one, I I started to feel anxious, just even again, going into my mind and thinking about, oh my God, how am I going to do all this by myself at home? I don't have, you know, nurse fairies helping me. I said, how the hell am I going to do this? But by, and I think what I loved about the fact that it was five days was by that fifth day, I was ready. I was ready to go home. I was ready. Like I was actually excited to just like get things sorted. And my dad came, he was still in America. My dad came home. He was so sweet. He went to my house beforehand and put the foil up in the bedroom and he went and got a white noise machine. Like, he was so sweet. So my dad came and picked me up on that fifth day, drove me home, and by the time I got home, Sanford was ready for a sleep. And I was excited. Like, the same kind of thing. I was just ready to go. I had all the information. I felt confident. I had a plan in place. And he slept. And what I loved as well was that, that freedom of like, I'm really close with my mom. She could come over and she would come in the room with me. I'd show her the padding. This is how long you pat for mom. Just, this is what you say. And then, you know, leave the room. And I said, if he wakes up after the 45 minutes after the sleep cycle. And again, I didn't know anything about sleep cycles or realm or anything like that. And I had all that information. I said, go in there, do a quick settle, and he should go back to sleep. And, you know, 95% of the time he did. So I loved the fact that I had my, I felt like I had my life back because before then, you know, Lockie would go out with his friends for dinner or drink. And I felt like I couldn't leave the house because this child was so dependent on me to feed him. And I could, you know, for me, it was such a milestone because as soon as we got back from sleep school... I'd put him to bed, you know, popped him into the cot, walked straight out. And I was just like, wow, I've got my night back. And I remember it was Christmas, yeah, Christmas time. So I um, went to Chadston shopping and I'd never done that before. Cause I was so obsessed with trying to get him to sleep. i was just walking around Chadston going like, I can do things now because I felt confident that Lachie knew the technique. If Sam woke up at nine o'clock while I was still at Chadston, like he could go in there, do it and come back out. Like he didn't have to sit there and rock him for an hour. So for us, it was really, we both felt confident and like, I felt like I had my relationship back because we had lost that because we were sitting in the room, rocking him for so long. By the time it got to eight, nine o'clock at night, like I was exhausted. My husband was exhausted. We'd get into bed. We wouldn't even talk to each other because we were just so mentally drained. We hardly ate food. So for us, it just felt like we'd put him to bed at 6.30. We could have dinner together. We could chat. We could connect again. And it just felt like our relationship was back because we were sleeping. We were energized. So that five days was just brilliant because it really geared us up for, the future, and it just since then it's been great.
1: It's um, yeah. one thing I know though is that you were quite disciplined with the routine when you got home, yeah. So there wasn't yeah. just oh, he for two can miss weeks, that nap, yeah, or, I couldn't, you know, exactly. Yeah.
0: And I yeah. like that because they said they said for two weeks, just please, you know, try not to go out and do his mm. naps in the car or pram. So I was look, I was really disciplined because I had such a hard experience at the start, so when people wanted to catch up, I'd say quickly got to go. He's got to sleep in the cot. And, you know, after a few months I would do a nap in the pram or do a nap in the car and you felt okay, but I just wanted to, I didn't want to stuff it up. I really didn't want to stuff it up because I'd spent all this money. I'd spent all this time. And I just thought, if the sleep school doesn't work, like, I'm going to have to go into a mental home myself yeah. because I was like, I don't know what else to
1: do. He's on the curb. We're just going to leave him on the curb.
0: <laughs> He's <laughs> no, up on country. I, yeah, yeah <laughs>
1: yes. It's so true. And, look, I was exactly the same. And I do mention that because, um, you know, I also have a girlfriend who went to a sleep school. She was in Sydney um, and she wasn't as disciplined when she came home and th- now she's sort of co-sleeping and, like, that's her, that's her journey and that's totally fine but she was just saying that she it was a bit frustrating. And the one thing I think the lesson from her as well is that her partner was a bit more relaxed with the routine, so wasn't... Be- as on board with the structure as she was. And obviously, you know, if there's two of you in the partnership, you do both need to be on the same page and have the same level of like focus and discipline around it for it to really work. Because, yes, your children are like sponges and they will adapt quite quickly, but then they'll also adapt to a more relaxed routine, you know, if, if that's the way you're going to go. Um, we similarly had, um, we actually had our wedding in Greece probably about a month after sleep school. So I was like military style with this routine when we got (laughs) home and I was like aluminium foil. Like I didn't actually have much of a life because I was just like, I don't even care. Like my kid has to sleep because I want him sleeping through the night and particularly when we're going overseas for the wedding. I know that that's going to be a disruption as well. The one good thing is that they do teach you at sleep school, as you said, that transition from, okay, you can't always be home, so how do we get our children to sleep in the pram or on a plane or whatever it is? So I very much followed guidance that I received from sleep school. And throughout our European trip, I structured our days around his his sleep, which was essentially only around the lunchtime mark anyway. And um, and he slept throughout the night for us. And that's massive um, for, for us to be able to sort of be away and really enjoy the time and not feeling like five six month old is constantly waking us up and you know night before the wedding feeling completely you know delirious so um similarly we've had a great experience it opened up our lives to as you said to kind of what life was like before you know in the way that you have that bit of freedom and you can kind of predict things a lot better um one thing we love to do um was you know We'd be able to go out for dinner with our friends and things like that. So we'd pop him in bed by seven o'clock. We close the door, night, night, babysitters downstairs. Thank you very much. We're out. We're out of here. Like, <laughs> and to be able to do that for the first time, um, you know, in however many months was just such a saving grace. And so I just think. As well, once you've got the sleep right, everything else kind of falls into place. Like the fee, the food, the everything. Like they just, they're more settled. Their you know mental state is just so much more grounded. You then feel better. It just all ties in. I don't know. Would you agree with this? With the sleep yeah, being like absolutely. the cross of it? Yeah, And I
0: think, and I, I've actually recommended five people, and they've all gone. And I, I, even just from that young age, I love the idea of setting up that healthy sleep pattern for them and that sleep association. Like, as I said, our boys are nearly two and you know, hand on my heart, he's such a good sleeper now. And I only put that down to the sleep school because, you know, I, I, my sisters, she's got a daughter who's 14 months and she's, you know, she hasn't been to a sleep school, but I've kind of been trying to talk her through things, but it isn't the same. Like I could give someone the handbook and try and help them, but it's not the same as going in there and getting that extra support and you know she's kind of just in that fight or flight at the moment she's like oh I'm just gonna get her up out of the cot and she's screaming and, and like that's the difference is like I was you're really strict and you had a really good routine so I wouldn't just get him up out of the cot if he was crying I would you know do what I needed to do to, to settle him before he got to that point so it was it was so helpful. And like with my second, I'll, I'll definitely go again because it it was just, it really set you up for that healthy sleeping. And then my son nearly two, he's at daycare and he sleeps in a room with eight other babies in broad daylight, no music. He sleeps for two, three hours there. And I, he wouldn't have done that unless he already was a, you know, quite a good sleeper at home. So I'm really thankful for that now because it has really helped us. Like especially when we go out, it's great
1: a hundred percent and one one thing I will mention as well is that the the program is for children under two so for example for your sister if she you know if she just does, does decide to go that way she's still got a bit of time if the little one's only 14 months but um but yeah as you said you can read all the books and things that you want but if you really feel like you want that hands-on experience then certainly we are both big advocates for it so yeah, yeah. and I
0: think one of the things with like with my sister I uh, was just suggesting maybe to go now and she's very much saying like you know, the baby should fit into my life. And I think my approach with my like perspective is a little bit different because unfortunately he did, I tried it. He didn't just fit into my life and I would have loved to have gone out and wine or dine with my baby, but unfortunately he had a different course and I needed to go with what he wanted. So like for me, his priority and his sleeping has helped my mental health and that's been really important, not the other way around. So, um, you know, some people are totally different. She's completely different to me. And, you know, she's happy waking up and she's happy doing all those things. And it just really depends what you're happy with as a mother. Like there's so many different parenting styles and some people are completely, you know, I've still got friends that have three-year-olds and they still feed to sleep and co-sleep and that's totally fine. But I think it's really up to what you can manage, like what you can manage yourself. And for me, that was what I could manage. I couldn't, I couldn't manage not having sleep myself. And I needed that to be able to be a good mother. And now that he's sleeping, I'm sleeping. Like I'm the best parent I can be. Yeah.
1: A hundred percent. Any final words of advice that you can take away from your experience so far?
0: I would definitely say don't, don't do stuff based on other people's advice. Like I think you've got to really experience it for yourself. And I say this to everyone, there's word advice and there's world advice. And I think once you experience something, your experience for yourself, you've got your own perspective around it. I said, you have to have a go to really feel if it's for you. And I think a lot, you know, a lot of people, there is that stigma around sleep school and it is based on other people's perspectives, but you have to experience it for yourself to know if it's going to work. And I would just say like, if you do need that support, like give it a go, (laughs) like it's just, it's, I couldn't recommend it more, like it's completely saved, you know, my baby sleep, my relationship, like it's just been so healthy and I would, I would do it over again, even if I didn't have a bad sleeper, I'd still go just because it just, you get all that knowledge and it's, it's so key as a mother because it's hard enough as it is to navigate everything else just getting that sleep right is just it's heaven it's really heaven Uh 100%.
1: 100%. The one thing that comes to mind is I know that there were mothers sort of who are a lot more nervous at the sleep school mm. and who would sort of hover around the, the yeah. kids' rooms and also, you know, be in tears and then not feeling like they're really trusting in the process. They were sort of questioning a lot, and yeah. I think questions are fantastic, but you could sort of see that they were quite sceptical. They were a little bit more negative towards the staff and, you know, and because they, they're just worried, right? And I think the one piece of advice I would have around that is if you are going to go try and be as open-minded as possible. These people are experts. They know sleep way better than we do. Um, And so kind of just respecting that and knowing that there is a process to follow. um, And yeah, to be as open-minded as possible, certainly ask all the questions and and, and things like that. But I think if you can bring a bit of a positive attitude towards it, you probably set yourself up um, in the best way possible.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That whole trust is just... Yeah, you've got to trust. You trust in the process, really.
1: That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Tonis, thank you so much for joining us today and um, filling us in on your story.
0: Thank you. It's been so nice sharing.
1: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave us a review and give us five stars if you're feeling fancy. By subscribing to the podcast, every new episode will drop into your podcast library each week subscribing is also such an essential way for people to find us and to enable us to grow want to be part of the mum life community join our facebook group and follow us on instagram at mum life podcast until next time keep living your best mum life